。看来我们只能靠自己了。地球错失了最后一次机会。这座宫殿不是庇护所。Hi everyone, and welcome to Middle Earth, your source for insight into China's cultural industry. Listen to those who are making a living by creating and distributing art or content onto the world's second cultural market. I'm your host, Aladdin Farré from CCP, China Compass Production, your film production service in the Middle Kingdom, and this show is a member of the Cineca Network. So, in case you have a cultural project related to China, drop us an email at chinacompassproduction.com and see how we can help. We already touched upon the topic of IP protection at Middle Earth,、uh, episode 32. But as a book on that particular topic just came out, guidance and compliance: the way to China's entertainment market. I thought that would be of some interest of you to have the author on the show.、Um, so, Wenxi Zhang Shuwen, hi. Good afternoon. Hi, Aladdin. So you're from Shanghai, and after graduated from the National University of Singapore, you have worked as a lawyer in pan-cultural entertainment and foreign investment in China. You are currently a partner lawyer in Huiye Law Firm, one of the largest firms in China. You have provided comprehensive legal service for nearly 400 artists and talent around the world, and nearly 100 IP projects, including Chinese foreign cooperative film and television project and commercial performance. The book that you wrote gives lengthy detail about the cultural industry regulation in China, such as if you do film copro with a country, how many international actors you can have, numbers about consumer habits, what type of topic will be censored, and my favorite question in your book, which is being answered, which is like, are Chinese character fonts protected in China? So in your book, you have like various fields, like film and TV, internet, music, advertising. And we're going to talk about this today, about like the the funding on your book.、Uh, before we start, I just would like to remind dear listener that you can support the show not with Patreons, not with money, nor with a five star review, but by recommending this episode to a friend. Also, if you know someone making making content in China cultural industry and that has like interesting stories to tell, please let me know. Ninety five percent of the guests come from recommendation, so you can help the show this way. Why did you decided that you would spend time to write this book?、Uh, thank you, Aladdin. It's、uh, the first I would like to say. It is a great pleasure to be here. Well,、uh, regarding to your question, as a lawyer engaged in entertainment law and foreign related business for quite some time, I have been providing legal service and consulting to lots of foreign entities and clients. And realize that it is the not knowing of China's legal system and administrative procedures, and the context and the logic behind which makes many foreign friends suffer, or are suffering great losses in the course of their business. Many clients came to ask me, "What are the special industry rules in China's entertainment industry?" As far as I know, there are very few professional books for this. Therefore, my main purpose of writing this one is to give some foreign friends and the business operators who want to enter the Chinese market an opportunity to have a bigger picture and get to know a bit more. You know, understanding itself is a kind of wealth. Since, since I just want everyone to be rich. Anyway, in short, this book summarizes and analyzes the various practical process of the Chinese entertainment industry. 
all of which aim at guiding our foreign friends to successfully complete their work, their project in China, to control the risks and reduce their potential losses as well. I would have thought, like, if you write this book, then do you think you might not lose a bit of clients because of this? Then some people will think, "Oh, I've read this book about China IP protection, and now I, I'm set. I can do everything by my own." Oh well, I, I don't really, you know, I worry about that because this is like a beginning, like an entrance of that. I,、uh, I like they have a general picture about that, and in this way, they actually get to know more about, even about, you know, how. Or when to have a lawyer to help them, and what kind of、uh, things that lawyers would do to help them. I guess many of the listener and myself included, like our law expertise, is really really low. Sorry, no pun intended.、Uh, can you briefly describe the field of IP protection between China and other countries? Like how things are similar and how things are different. Ah, yeah, this is a very nice question and a very deep question as well. Thank you. Uh, well, due to the differences in legal systems of various countries and the cultural understandings behind the protection of intellectual property rights in China and foreign countries, is also very different in practice. In general, I'd like to address、uh, three aspects to explain the differences and the impacts these differences have on us ordinary people. The first to talk about the regional differences in IP rights. This difference is more typical in trademark registration and protection. The protection of trademarks in most countries has regional characteristics. For example,、uh, trademarks of other countries are difficult to be directly protected in our country. So, if you want to bring your company into the Chinese market, it is suggested to understand the relevant Chinese laws and regulations. And be ready to apply for trademark registration. Sorry, maybe some people don't even know what is a trademark. Can you briefly define what is a trademark? Oh well, <laughs> trademark is like a, a label, a mark that your company shows to others. It's like a brand.、Um, well, the trademarks in in the law would be like you know the symbols for this brand, and you could it can be applied, it can be registered. And it is legally protected. It has certain economic value. Yeah, that's it. Okay, understood. So I、uh, I will just、uh, continue the second part then. As far as IP related cases are concerned, China has seen a relatively high incidence in recent years, probably higher than most of other countries. It is on one hand because of the rapid development of technology, e-commerce in China. As far as I know, as of June this year, the number of Chinese internet users has reached actually. Uh, 940 million, equivalent to 20% of the global internet users. So, as a result, online infringement cases have increased. On the other hand, the public awareness of IP protection in China certainly was not high in the past. Everyone knows about that, but in recent years, it has been strengthened along with this development. For example, the WeChat official account in China.、Uh, I bet you use that as well, right, Aladdin?、Um, it is now well developing very well, and people can make very beautiful、uh, pictures and texts. Then, is it considered infringement to find an unsigned pictures on the internet if the author himself still owns the 
copyright and you don't have the statutory exemption, it is likely to constitute an infringement, and you need to pay compensation and litigation costs for this. Sorry, just to um, yeah, I just want to jump and then we can move on to the the third part of your answer. Yeah, I find this fascin fa fascinating because right now um, at China Compass Production, we're helping YouTubers to put their content uh, onto uh, onto a China video platform like Sigua or Bilibili. And what I find amazing is that like some of those YouTubers, their content was basically stolen from YouTube, then reuploaded on Bilibili, and then after when we go and we ask them, please take them down and don't do it. And this is thief. Like then you have like, you have kind of a feeling of a crowd of a lot of people saying, but this is just being reuploaded. Like, why are you guys so mad about? Like, it, it seems like, yeah, the, in the mindset of still many people on the general public, it's like, I did, I just like retook your work, but I, I didn't stole it. It's just like, I even like help you advertise it to other people. I, I find this really interesting. <laughs> Yeah, yes, this is uh, exactly what I would want, you know, I would, I wanted to explain on the awareness of IP protection. It's actually, yeah, it's certainly not, you know, it's exactly as what you said being before in the past and there are still many people still doing that. There are actually have been some, you know, it's like growing awareness of IP protection because government and the policies has already do, has also, you know, do a lot of things on that, uh, requires lots of work and efforts. And, uh, actually, uh, this is a very uh, big issue for our, uh, for us lawyers as well, because, you know, it's like, there are many clients come to me because of this, you know, it's either because of lack of awareness. So it's like this client doesn't have a clue, but uh, he already infringed some, some others, uh, intellectual property rights, but uh, he himself has no clue, but comes to us, you know, it's like uh, to solve this dispute. It's actually a pity thing <laughs> for, for us as well. And uh, in and on the other hand, um, there is this, uh, you know, people like uh, being infringed by others. But it's increasing now. It's um, from my work and my business, I would say it's um, there are more and more IP infringement cases coming up. So this means like people's awareness of this IP protection is actually getting better. If we could take like a quick little detour, yeah, you explained that now more and more people are coming to you regarding like IP infringement. Um, yeah. Then I was wondering like, so the gro the cases of IP, the, the, the number of cases of IP protection is just growing over the years. Yes. But then does like the type of cases also change? Like uh, I would have thought maybe years ago, things would have been more like piracy things and then maybe now it's more like local companies that want to protect their own ip yes exactly but, but then I'm, I'm just curious like when you i'm not asking you to give precise name but when you have like a client who comes to you and says like oh i'm being sued because i use someone else trademark or ip and i didn't know about this but then what are we talking about like they use like a song they use a picture they what are like the usual kind of mistake that they do? 
uh, it's like the common use would be like use a picture that uh, you know unsigned pictures, and uh, also when they you know it's like create the short video, they use uh, uh, music you know background music uh, without authorization. This kind of things is happens a lot. And what would be like the penalty that they could receive for this? Are we talking like a thousand yuan, ten thousand yuan, one million? Yeah, this is actually a very interesting topic because uh, you know in the past it's like it's very little money you know it's um it yeah, well it depends on various factors of course but uh, uh, mostly it depends on you know it's like how famous this music could be or you know uh, what kind of the economic value you know to to assess but um, uh, but then uh, it's like. Um, Uh, this year, uh, the, I think there is um, a new policy. This new law is regarding to the trademark law. According to the newly revised trademark law of the PRC in in 2019, you know, for the infringement of the exclusive right to use a trademark, if these circumstances are serious, the amount of compensation can be determined based on the actual loss or the illegal income, or the uh, trademark license fee of one to five times. So uh, in the past, I mean, in 2013, burden is one to three times. So this is actually, you know, it's like increasing as well. And uh, regarding to what you say before, is uh, for this kind of clients come, come to me, and um, they... They don't actually, you know, always go to the court, you know, go to for litigations. Uh, there are many, in many cases that uh, we just, uh, uh, you know, settled up with the negotiation. So during the negotiation, everyone just, uh, you know, give like, uh, you know, you have to consider it that different aspect. You know, it's a little bit like uh, what we talked before. It's like uh, the income. And uh, the popularity of this work, yeah, this kind of things. Okay, I think we can move on to the next question. The administrators and the government were kind of now paying like uh, more attention to IP. Yes. Why do you think there is this kind of change of mind? Well, I think uh, the first is like you know because uh, the uh, you know the internet. Uh, There are more and more people connect to internet these days, and uh, internet users is booming, and every everything on internet seems to be very convenient. So it's it makes it you know easier to you know to infringe others' rights, copyrights, and also the awareness, uh, which also you know bring everyone's attention to copyright protections as well. You know, it's like it's a huge part of it. And for from the uh, the government side, from the uh, legislation side, and also from the ordinary people side, you know, it's like um, it's getting more, and they get to know more about this. Okay, because at the end, piracy is not good for business. Yeah, of course, definitely. I have this client uh, who is a painter, and a company is very interested in his works, so the company intends to buy works from him. On the day of the contact between the two parties, the person in charge of the company felt that you know uh, the works didn't meet his requirements, blah blah blah. So he gave up the cooperation on the spot. After my client went back, he found that one of the works was missing. He thought it was just uh, lost accidentally. It was not until half a year later. 
he saw his painting used as the background image of the phone case for sale in the company's electronic store, and sales are extremely high. Actually, the client negotiated compensation with the company, but the company insisted that the painting was commissioned by another one. So the client entrusted me to proceed with the lawsuit. Well,、um, given this client had、uh, previously entrusted me to register the copyright of his work, and all the hand-drawn and the electronic drafts were kept, so we won the case. So copyright registration, retention of、uh, evidence are all very important. I hope,、uh, just hope to you all get my point here. But, but when you say you have like to register and you have to、yeah. have a lawyer like to keep a record、yeah. of your IP, but it means in China. If it's registered abroad, it doesn't work.、Uh, yes, it, it's actually well. This is a very、um, is a big question because you know for trademarks, it's more、uh, you know is like limited to the you know、uh, geography. So it's、uh, mostly if、uh, if this is a trademark thing, you have to register it locally. So basically, if you want to be protected in China, you have to register in China. But uh, uh, for the copyright, you know, it's like、uh, we have this convention. The whole the convention is like、um, the copyright convention, and、uh, there are many.、Uh, I think it's more than a hundred countries have signed in, so they actually recognize the copyright、uh, from the countries that you know、uh, that are the members of this convention, but not.、Uh, You know, let's say if China,、uh, you in, there's a case happened here in China, and you want to prove your copyright, and、uh, there is not only that you you need to register,、uh, register, make the registration in China. You can also register in in、uh, in France, let's say, and France is also the、uh, member of this convention. So China also recognizes this authority, and、uh, so your copyright will be recognized here in China as well. The the time is going, and I don't. I want to be respectful of your time. Are there any numbers、uh, about that field that you would like to share? Do you have any more numbers that could like help the listener understand like all these IP protection things? The first number I would say is、uh, it's twenty seven million. Actually, it's it's actually twenty seven point four one four million. That's the number of. A valid registered trademarks in China as of the end of June 2020. In the past few years, I was mainly engaged in film and television projects and foreign investment. So five years ago, there are just a few IP registration services in need, about two to three per year.、Uh, but it has increased significantly in recent years, about 20 to 30 each year. So take the project I'm working on as an example. The client is a very well-known foreign entertainment group, and it plans to enter the Chinese market in a few years. So they come to me, and I work with them closely, step by step. First, to set up a rigorous intellectual framework, you know, to deconstruct various categories of the project and see what parts to apply for, what kind of registration of which specific rights would serve the best in protecting the rights in the future. And、um, you know, if we talk about numbers, the total number of copyright registrations in the past year, uh, 2019, reached more than four million. A year-on-year -year increase of more than 20 percent, and it is still booming. That's very impressive.
And also the another number I'd like to share would be two million, and this is the amount of financial subsidies of some areas in Shanghai for cultural enterprises to settle in. So, in recent years, China has greatly encouraged the exchange and development of Chinese and foreign enterprises, and has issued many preferential policies. Trust me. Take some areas of Shanghai, for example, encourage cultural enterprises to settle in with financial subsidies of up to RMB two million yuan, and there are all kinds of other preferential policies as well. You know, such as some financial support for foreign investors in renting local offices. So, of course, you have to meet several. Uh, requirements, but in general, there are some enormous supports on the table that is definitely not there in the past. These numbers all mean that you know the attention to IP and to foreign investment is gradually increasing, and the importance is being highlighted. Yeah, it's really funny that you mention、um, Shanghai and like all those、uh, investment into culture because I don't know when this episode is gonna air, but like.、Um, I'm gonna. We're gonna have on Middle Earth the author of a book called Red Creative, and those authors are Justin O'Connor and Singu, and they have actually wrote a book that that just which is coming out right now on on that topic of a culture industry in China, and a huge part of the the book is actually about like all the investment in Shanghai. Oh, that's that's nice.、Uh, moving on, then, is there like any case that you've worked on that you thought like could make a good film script? I、uh, this is a very interesting one. I have worked in this law firm for seven years, and I have been dedicated to the field of entertainment law. So far, I have done hundreds of IP-related cases. Almost every case has its own stories, and some of the case process are particularly torturous and bizarre to me. Each of them is interesting and fascinating. Well,、uh, here I want to share a case with you. Uh, I have a very good writer friend,、uh, who we can call John.、Um, in the early years, when copyright awareness was not heavy and clear, you know, John sold his book to a film company at a good price at the time. In recent years, this film company has made the book into a movie and has produced a series of novels and、uh, films and television dramas. And the sales are very impressive. Hon also, you know, wrote a sequel to this book and adapted it into a movie to take advantage of the popularity of this IP he once created. But the original、uh, film company saw that John's new book was infringing and asked him for a high compensation. So John found me and entrusted me to represent the case. Well, it took me four days to to read all these books completely and、uh, made a very detailed comparison table. And、uh, I need to explain that you know、uh, this part I mentioned here you know is not confidential and it's、uh, with John's consent. I'm a decent lawyer. <laughs> anyway, I I brought strong evidence and、uh, this detailed com comparison table to negotiate with the company. I was along there versus the company's six-person professional team, but there was no doubt that we won. So facts have proved that John's new book only has similar, you know, simple row settings and no other substantial similarities. So it doesn't constitute an infringement. 
and they finally accept this and stop claiming compensation from John. And I ended up with screening and drafting every license agreement for John from then on. <laughs> well, in short, I would suggest you、uh, to make a limited license instead of transferring all. Yeah, this is the lesson from this case, and also probably to find a decent lawyer to do that for you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, of course. So regarding finding a decent lawyer, like if any lawyers who would live abroad,、uh, listening to the show, like can they just think, oh,、uh, China seems like the big market. I should go there. Can they just take their bag and go to Pudong Airport and <laughs> and and just like start their own shop?、Uh, no, but but joke aside, like、uh, fr- from what I heard, like if you are、um, to pass. I I don't know to say this word in English. I'm sorry. Like to be an official lawyer in China, like. If you're a lawyer abroad, but then you come to China, you can only be a consultant. You cannot be like a real lawyer. Yes, that's right. That's right. Okay, so then if they would come, they would only become like consultants. Yes, they could. You know, there are different ways to do this, and many of my,、um, you know, it's like、um, my classmates in before went back、uh, back to the old times that I study in National University of Singapore. They are all foreign lawyers, and when they come to China and they become consultant, it's、uh, but they can still work. You know, it's like in a foreign firm, and this kind of foreign firm will establish a partnership with the local firm. As well, so it's a better joint hands to serve the clients. It's not a very yeah, it's not a big issue, and it has it it actually has its own advantages. Okay, then moving on to recommendation, like, would you have anything to recommend to the audience regarding what you might have worked on, or like a funny TV series about lawyers in China? I would like to recommend the cultural creation products of the Forbidden City in China. This series of products includes electronic stores, derivative products, which integrate copyright, trademark rights, and patent rights. It is very typical IP development case. Take the lipsticks as an example. They are sold out as soon as they were launched. Actually, the appearance of the lipstick has、uh, characteristics of Chinese traditional culture. Drawing inspiration from the costumes of Asian Chinese ladies, the lipstick has animal designs such as、uh, Chinese dragons on the top, which is very delicate, with marks of traditional Chinese culture, and very welcomed by many consumers who love beauty, culture, and our country. Yeah, I find this very interesting that how this museum is like retaking its own name and like going into the e-commerce and partnering with brand like if I remember Oreo, yes, they even made like a special cookie with some several flavors、yes. coming from the kitchen of、uh, the Forbidden City. I think it's pretty interesting. Yes, they have done like you know running pretty much you know this kind of business and、uh, doing very well on branding. So you think that that's really like a good case study of how. An IP, an old IP, can be exploited. Yes, yes. The product itself is very, you know, it's amazing and it's very nice gift for、uh, foreign friends as well. And also, it, you know, the rights. It's actually,、um, it's a typical IP development case as well because it integrates all kind of, you know,、uh, I intellectual property rights like copyright, trademark rights, and patent rights. That at the end become successful on the market. Yes, yes. Okay. Well, thank you for this. 
recommendation. And I think on those good words, we will wrap this show. So thank you, Wensi, for your time. And thank you, dear listeners, to stay until the end credits. Thank you, Aladdin. Middle Earth is produced by China Compass Production, your production service in the Middle Kingdom. In case you have a cultural project related to China, drop us an email at chinacompassproduction.com and see how we can help. Today's episode was produced by Aladdin Fare. Co-produced by Kaiser Guo. Music by Sean Calvo. Design by Brandon Gonzalez. I guess you already all have a podcast app, but if you don't want to miss the coming show or listen to the old ones, you can subscribe to our feed. And if you like the show, please consider sharing it to a friend. All will help with the algorithm and our ego. Hope to see you next time and stay safe. Bye-bye.